The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, principal at Top Sale Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, an article by Sarah Mahoney from Media Post. This is about Mindy Kaling. Don't you love her? She's so amazing. Well, apparently DSW Shoes, the shoe people do too. They're engaging her on a brand new campaign. Uh, and they're doing it, of course, with a comic twist. Uh, they're launching this with uh, Mindy um, on TV and uh, on a video, 15-second video uh, as well. And uh, it's about her take on shoe wear and how it can impact kind of your personality. So, for example, she talks about shoes ranging from snakeskin booties that make her want to get back with her ex-husband, even though she doesn't have one, uh, to a variety of other things that inspire us about our shoes. So, super fun. She's going to be leveraging her 11 million Twitter followers, which I'm sure is one of the reasons DSW wanted to align with her as well. And if you feel like you see Mindy everywhere, that's because you do. Uh, She's appeared in ads for McDonald's and Nationwide. She's been um, on uh, various shows, including uh, Netflix, which is coming up on a show about her uh, coming-of-age comedy series about her life, and she's in the midst of adapting Four Weddings and a Funeral for Hulu, and um, she also has a movie coming out called Late Night. So anyway, look for that to hit online and on air here coming up soon. So my first profile today is the Gucci girl, a singer woman in her 20s to 30s. There's about 2 million of them out there, 29 years old, college grads, no kids, making anywhere from $35,000 to $91,000. These are women that keep up with fashion. Uh, They seek novelty and change when it comes to their style. They love to go shopping, physically go shopping, not just online. And they are driven uh, by wanting to get to the very top of their career. Um, What brands are they shopping at? Well, they're at Nordstrom's and Neiman Marcus, for example. Victoria's Secret's also big with them. Uh, They're buying Gucci, hence the name Gucci Girl, and Kenneth Cole and Chanel. And they are reading Cosmo, Glamour, The New Yorker, Entertainment Weekly, and Allure and Vogue. Well, my guest today knows a lot about the Gucci girl, uh, that young woman. Uh, Michelle Meek is a filmmaker, writer, and professor. In fact, she's an assistant professor at communication studies at Bridgewater State University. You may have caught her TEDx talk on why we're confused about consent, rewriting our stories of seduction, where she explains how moments in movies and TV blur consent with coercion. And her most recent book is available on Amazon 
on today. Independent female filmmakers, a chronicle through interviews, profiles, and manifestos. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Meek on the show today to kind of peel back the onion on what's happening in filmmaking today, what's happening with female filmmakers, and what Dr. Meek herself is doing to move the needle on all of that. Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho is perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with nachoanalytics.com. Seriously? Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2019. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Dr. Michelle Meek. She is an assistant professor in communication studies at Bridgewater State University. She's also a writer and a filmmaker. You may have seen her TEDx talk called Why We're Confused About Consent, Rewriting Our Stories of Seduction. But it's her book today that brings her to purse strings. This book is about independent female female filmmakers. It's called, in fact, Independent Female Filmmakers, a chronicle through interviews, profiles, and manifestos, and you can get it online at Amazon. Welcome to the show, Dr. Meek. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on. My gosh, you know, I, when I was preparing for this interview, I was digging around on your website. You have a lot of information on your website, by the way, lots of really good information. <laughs> and every tab I opened, there was another creative project. I mean, you're an author, a documentarian filmmaker, a website creator, speaker, author, 
apparently a puzzle maker also. Oh, and yeah, you're a professor. How do you find time to pursue all this important work? I know it is a little bit funny. I always joke, although it's not really a joke, that I haven't decided what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and I think you can see it in full force there. Um, but you know, I, I, I mean, is it a serious question? Do you really want me to tell you how? Uh, well, I think I, I, I am always amazed when I see someone as prolific as you, and I just wonder how you can really find the time. Do you? just segmented in your mind do you feel like all the work supports all the other work like how do you how do you figure it all out I mean I I have a very keen sense of follow-through and I also am pretty damn good at time management so that is it's there's that but I think it's really um you do have to, to some extent, think of one project at a time or two projects or three projects at a time. And then how are you going to get those done at the same time? So I've kind of come to accept about myself that I'm not interested in just doing one thing at a time. So I always need to have multiple projects. And so it really then becomes down to how, which are the two projects or three projects that I can do at the same time that I can actually give enough time to and get done and you know there are times that I start something and I don't finish because I decide I don't have time for that or you know for example the the film Gaming Girlhood that I have done some pre-production and some um, filming on that is a little bit on hold right now so it's a project that's on my website but it's it's a little bit in stasis right now yeah right well my gosh even with one project on hold you have plenty of other ones to keep you busy <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not worried about you <laughs> at all uh, the one thread I noticed that I see throughout most of your work is you focus a great deal on women's issues in fact your latest book that I mentioned before and totally flubbed the title on called independent female filmmakers a chronicle through interviews um, is is an important one I think I think it's extremely timely considering what's been happening in the industry right now do you feel women are making real progress or do you still feel like it's so glacier in its movement right now I think they are making real progress. I think there's been a tremendous amount of awareness of women directors and having uh, having them be at the forefront. You know, there was a story by The Wrap that said Hollywood was going to be hiring five times the number of women directors um, for this coming year. And that's a huge increase. Of course, it's still a minority. I think it brought it up to something like 18 <laughs> percent. Um, but you know, we can't underestimate the value of a shift like that. I think um, the more emphasis that we put on it, the more it's likely to happen. I think what's discouraging to me is to see things like um, the lists of the National Film Registry and um, lists like uh, American Film Institute puts out 100 greatest films of all time and there's not one female filmmaker on the list and they just revisited the list like a year or so ago. I mean, that's just not acceptable. There have been women filmmakers since the beginning of the film industry and they deserve to have their work remembered as well um, and I think it's important that we're not only looking forward and making sure women have equality for funding and making their films in the future but looking back and making sure that women filmmakers are having their legacy preserved and that was one of the emphasis you know of my book. So Michelle the one thing I noticed um, is that 
you deal a great deal with uh, women's issues. I see that as a thread through your work and your latest book clearly does that. It's independent female filmmakers, a chronicle through interviews, profiles and manifestos. And I know it's a incredibly uh, timely piece for it to come out now. Uh, women filmmakers are just I feel like being recognized there's more and more of them coming to the forefront a lot of women are making projects for other women Um, but with all of that being said do you feel women are making real progress or is it still a little bit too slow too little at this point I think they are making real progress I think there's been a of awareness of women directors and having uh, having them be at the forefront. You know, there was a story by The Wrap that said Hollywood was going to be hiring five times the number of women directors um, for this coming year. And that's a huge increase. Of course, it's still a minority. I think it brought it up to something like 18 <laughs> um, percent. But you know, we can't underestimate the value of a shift like that. I think um, the more emphasis that we put on it, the more it's likely to happen. I think what's discouraging to me is to see things like um, the lists of the National Film Registry and um, lists like uh, American Film Institute puts out 100 greatest films of all time and there's not one female filmmaker on the list and they just revisited the list like a year or so ago. I mean, that's just not acceptable. There have been women filmmakers since the beginning of the film industry and they deserve to have their work remembered as well Um, and I think it's important that we're not only looking forward and making sure women have equality for funding and making their films in the future but looking back and making sure that women filmmakers are having their legacy preserved and that was one of the emphasis you know of my book. Mm -hmm. What do you think is standing in our way to more progress uh, in, in the industry as a whole. I mean, considering what's come to light with the Me Too movement and some other things, um, what are those barriers and do you feel like they can ever truly be cast aside for women? You know, when I interviewed Martha Coolidge and she directed uh, Real Genius and Valley Girl and introducing Dorothy Dandridge, et cetera, I think her take was very accurate. You know, she said, it, everyone says it's an old boys club and it is. But the truth is that they want to make films with people that they're comfortable making films, made films with them before. And so to some extent, it's not just an old boys club because they want to discriminate in all cases. It's just a matter of a comfort level. That said, I think that there's, you know, there's a real, obviously deep seated um, kind of sexism that has run rampant in the industry as evidenced by Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. I mean, these are just so seriously disturbing to see that um, men like that were given access to so many women to harm. And that really speaks to an industry-wide problem because those men were not operating They were operating within a system that facilitated their kind of abuse. Mm -hmm. And that abuse um, is not only their abuse in the industry, but even some of what Hollywood reflects outward with its films may be creating, you know, even more confusion. Your TEDx tackled one of the outcomes of the Me Too movement 
which is this sense that the rules have changed, but maybe not have changed. Can you talk a little bit about the confusion that's happened in the wake of Me Too? Well, I think that one of the things that is really great about what's happening with Me Too is that it's becoming clear that so many of us have experienced various forms of sexual harassment and uh, abuse. Um, as, as discouraging and disturbing as that is, it's also validating as someone who's experienced it to realize that you're not alone. Um, I think that one of the things that films and television and just stories in general have done that has really done us a disservice is create a narrative guy wants a girl and he has to work really hard to convince her and in sometimes using ways that really feel quite forcible and then ultimately he gets what he wants and you know switching this narrative to making it the girl who wants the guy or the girl who wants the girl or the guy who wants the guy with the same kind of structure is really no better. And I think we've often um, kind of let a pass go by on stories where this is happening. And, you know, now looking at it with a different sort of set of eyes or criteria, we're realizing, huh, that really isn't okay. And we can't let a story go by like that without commenting on it and recognizing that there is, there is some coercion here. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like women filmmakers are more sensitive to that old narrative and are more willing to shake that off and look at the films that they either produce or direct through a different lens. So if so, I guess I'm saying if there were more female, <laughs> right. female directors, maybe we would have a different outcome in the kinds of films that we see. I think most of the time, yes, you're seeing more nuanced um, kinds of uh, depictions of sexuality and more women empowered in female directed films. But I cannot say that that's always the case because, you know, a film like Twilight was directed by a female director and written by a woman. Um, and, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey was w written by a woman. So I, I don't think it's enough to have women telling the stories or directing the films because if we're still uh, you know, kind of falling into the same pattern of uh, men coercing women and women being grateful ultimately that they did. <laughs> We've mm -hmm. got a problem. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, I think maybe one of the arguments that's been, I've heard been used is this reflects our society, but is our, it, that kind of comes into the chicken or the egg, right? Is our society embracing films that reflect their mindset or are is is society embracing films because that's the only thing that's served up there's not a refreshing different take out there for for the most part i mean you know what do you think comes first what make a film that's a great film and hope that somebody views it and accepts it or do we continue to cater to what we think this misogynistic mindset is out there in the world, which makes me really sad to say. It does. And I, I you know, when I see the success of something like 50 shades of gray, it makes me, uh, 
disturbed. And I'm not someone who's against pornography in general, in theory. Um, it's just that the the whole idea of it so being so coercive. And in the film, you know, I mean, he 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 breaks into her apartment without her consent. He he sells her car without her consent. He it's not always sexual, but the idea is that he knows best, and because he's her protector somehow, that he has access that that normally just are, is not appropriate. And and there's sort of the same thing happening through Twilight, where you know he's watching her sleep. I don't know if you've ever seen it, yes, but it's, it's yes. really <laughs> odd. And you know, I mean, there's there's so many creepy aspects to to what's happening there, but because he. He's always saving her from the real rapist, you know, or the real threat. Uh, you know, he's not the threat. We sort of are being shown that he's the good guy in that scenario. But there's still a, a very deep-seated pattern there. I mean, I do really think that... I do really think that we need to start showing ourselves different stories. And I think that to some extent that's hard for us to do because everyone kind of copies each other and there's patterns and it's like, well, that works. Let's do more of that. And it is commercially successful sometimes when you follow into those patterns. But I do think that there's a potential to shift things in a more positive direction and that that too would be embraced. And I think that the time is ripe for that. I think that, you know, especially a lot of women are waiting for something to come along that they can really embrace without feeling a lot of ambivalence about it. Um, let's let's see that happen more. Yeah, I, that leads me to a question about who do you admire? Who do you feel is really blazing a new trail for the rest to follow out there, female or male? Mm. In, in terms of films? Yeah, film. Hmm. Or maybe they're not. I mean, no, I mean, I actually think that one of the best films that I saw on this kind of topic was Jennifer Fox's The Tale. And I interviewed her for the book um, because I think she depicted sexual abuse in such a complicated and realistic way um, in, a, in a topic that's often really oversimplified and in a, in a not very helpful way. And so I think filmmakers like that who are really bravely going into territory that is not typically thought of as commercially viable. I mean, here she was, she was making this film and she's, she ended up getting it picked up by HBO. She had it screened at Sundance and Tribeca and she got standing ovations at both and it very well deserved. So, you know, her film I think is really breaking new ground, but I, at the same time, I can't say that that's like a positive example of sexuality, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, but I do see that in some of the, the new teen movies that I've been uh, watching and I, cause I tend to watch a lot of those uh, films. That's a genre I write about a lot um, that there really are, they're thinking about consent in a different way than they did in teen movies of the past. And when you see something like Lady Bird and how sexuality is depicted, I think, we're seeing something much different and it's interesting to see how uh, female filmmakers are, are, are kind of pushing things in a new direction that way. You, as I mentioned at the top of our conversation, you do a lot of different things. You have a lot of different projects. Um, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your support of independent film and filmmakers, as well as that consent puzzle which I found completely fascinating so everybody stick around more from Dr. Michelle Meek when Purse Strings returns in just a moment 
Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte? You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey? So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Rutan. Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Dr. Michelle Meek, a filmmaker, writer, and assistant professor in communication studies at Bridgewater State University. Uh, she is one of has many many talents as i've mentioned but uh her book independent female filmmakers a chronicle through interviews profiles and manifestos is really the reason that dr meek is on the show today but there's many things uh in the world of film that we've been exploring today one is just kind of the stereotypical approach to female male dynamics um kind of the exploitive nature of a lot of film and you know the hard road that we have in elevating female artists filmmakers producers and the difference that they could actually make and I know you've gone to the extent of establishing um independent media publications and New England film Uh, and I'm curious what led you to establish both of those organizations and do you feel like you're able to help create some change through those organizations 
So absolutely. I mean, as a filmmaker myself, I um, have, you know, personally experienced the trials and tribulations of trying to get a a film made, funded, seen, etc. And so my idea for New England Film, which I started actually more than 20 years ago, if you can even Mm -hmm. believe such a thing, (laughs) it's hard for me to believe, I know. Um, It came out of the idea that I wanted to really be more in touch with the local film industry. And, And so I started it and it became a site that really is um, kind of a link for the local community. It's jobs, it's news, it's um, you know industry directory where people can promote what they do. And uh, this year we're actually announcing a New England uh, New England Film Star Award, which is going to be given to one marginalized filmmaker who resides in New England, and it's going to be a, a substantial grant for them to have access to equipment and services and consulting, et cetera, so that they can get their project to the next level. And, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about that kind of uh, project because I think it's so important that each of us in whatever way that we can try to move things forward in a positive way. Um, and and so, so through that organization and then through independent media publication, which, which basically was started so that we could rescue the archives of the independent film and video monthly. Um, they're really kind of capturing the essence of the independent and grassroots movement. But um, the Independent Film and Video Monthly was a print publication that ran from uh, 1976 to 2006. And the parent organization, AIVF, went under at that point. And so me and a group of others came along to really rescue the print archives. And what we did is we partnered with the Internet Archive and made sure that the uh, that the print magazines were at archives throughout the country and that the that they were digitized so that they could always be preserved so we would not lose that essential piece of independent Mm. film history. And my book is actually interviews from the Independent Film and Video Monthly from that era, 1976 to 2006, and then going back to filmmakers now and and sort of talking to them, uh, reflecting back on their work kind of then and now. Mm, That's fascinating. Um, Who would be some of the independent female filmmakers that are featured in your book that maybe listeners would recognize today? Maybe not their names, but maybe their work. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lisa Cholendenko, who directed The Kids Are All Right. A lot of people know about her work. Um, Barbara Koppel, who's a pretty famous um, documentary filmmaker who did uh, the a documentary on Woody Allen and she did Harlan County, USA. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Deepa Mehta who did the films Fire, Earth and Water, Canadian Indian filmmaker, um, you know, Academy Award winning films. Um, uh, obviously Martha Coolidge, like I said, who directed mm-hmm. Valley Girl and Real Genius. So there's, there's quite a lot of filmmakers in the book who um despite the fact that you might not initially recognize their name, you've probably seen their films. Mm-hmm. Um, and appreciated their films, yeah, for sure. Some really great work. And I want to remind everyone that your book's available f- um, for purchase on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. So That's people right. can certainly go there to get that. Uh, but before we go, I have to ask you about this other project that I saw called Consent puzzles. We've been mm-hmm. talking a lot about consent. You even mentioned in the last segment that you're, you're thinking that a lot of films today are even changing how we look at consent. So mm-hmm. how does the puzzle play into all of that? So my idea of the puzzle is really 
what happens when we're not getting a clear reading on consent? And I think, you know, this is one of the things that can be so troubling. I don't know if you've seen the. there was a video that one of the women accused who accused Harvey Weinstein of rape uploaded of um, a pitch that she was doing with him. And it is just so deeply disturbing on so many levels. And yet there's there's something in there where someone, you know, there are some comments on, on the articles about how, well, maybe she was leading him on this or that. So, you know, the the puzzles of consent can be so tricky. And I think, you know, one of the things like, for instance, there's the film Edge of 17. And there's a scene in the film where the girl accidentally texts a guy that she wants to, you know, be with him. It's more explicit mm-hmm. than that, but you get the idea. Right. And it's an accidental text. And then he kind of picks up, he, he takes the bait. And so she ends up with him in a car by herself um, in a sort of deserted parking lot. And all of a sudden when he kind of strongly makes the moves, she's really not prepared or ready for that at all. It turns out she doesn't want to just quote, jump his bones. You know, she wants to kind of have a relationship and build to that. Um, and and you know that's a scene where it's it's it, it we're in that disturbing moment where she said yes and then she said no and then she says yes again in the scene and then she says no again um, and that's what I mean by the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think we're seeing in in films like Edge of Seventeen is where they get out of that scene with the girl intact, which is really what I'd like to see more of. You know, it, nothing does happen that she doesn't want to happen. And she's able to say her no, and he's able to respect her no, mm. which is so essential for us all to see that that is the way it's supposed to work. Um, and so, you know, but those are the puzzling types of situations that real people get themselves into when they interact. Um, and, you know, and, and, being able to see those types of puzzling situations where they come out okay, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're in classrooms a lot, clearly, yeah. as, as an assistant professor. Do you see it firsthand? Do you see confusion among your Gen Z um, uh, students about what's right, what's not right, what to, how to act, what to say? I think that the, you know, that the same tendency exists among them as existed about among, um, you know, women and men my age, uh, you know, when we were in college, which is that they kind of have the idea that, oh, my God, it's so horrible, these statistics of how many women are assaulted, but they tend not to think that they're in that number. Mm. And yet, when you really have conversations with people about, um have you ever had a situation where someone kind of pressured you to do something that you didn't want to do or that you really didn't want to do X, so you kind of did Y because you were afraid that something worse might happen? And it turns out a lot of people have been in those situations. Um, and it happens to men as well as women. So it's it's um, it happens more often to women, but it does happen to men as well. And you know, I screen a film called Flirting with Danger, and it's, I think it's a really eye-opening film because it shows how women actually go to great lengths to say that they have not been assaulted. Mm. Um, this whole idea of, of, of falsely declaring that you've been assaulted is really a rarity, and what's way more common is that women who have been assaulted don't say they've been assaulted and not because they want to lie about it, but because they don't view what happened to them as assault, even though in fact, the definition of what happened to them is assault. Mm-hmm. Still lots of confusion out there, right? And, right. and some of it 
to large degree per, um, perpetuated by what we see on the big screen and the small screen. Right. I mean, um, I think that one of the problems is that we associate being a victim with just your life being totally ruined. And that's really not always the case. I mean, most victims are, uh, are not, don't see themselves as victims, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that Jennifer Fox with her film and the dialogue around her film is really important. She does not call herself a victim. Um, and the girl inside her is still going to sort of see what happened to her as consensual. And that's an important aspect of it. It's a way that she sort of worked through what happened, even though the adult in her recognizes that that was actually childhood sexual abuse. Um, And that's another kind of consent puzzle. Mm, Fascinating. Michelle, I hate to wrap it up, but we're out of time. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I want to remind everyone that they can pick up your book, Independent Female Filmmakers, a chronicle through interviews, profiles, and manifestos on Amazon. And you can learn more about Michelle at Michelle with a single L, meek, M-E-E-K dot com as well. Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to my producer, George, and join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.